Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organise Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me has been reborn to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives and how we can take inspiration from them. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organise Curate Design, I welcome you to listen and get inspired as we showcase these incredible women. Hi everyone, I'm just quickly sneaking into your ears to say thank you because today is the 10th episode of She Inspires Me. Now, in some ways, 10 episodes has gone by really quickly for me. Um, and in some ways, I just can't believe it's even, we're even here. But we still have so much more in store uh, as I've got so many more guests lined up until the end of the year and even into 2021. Now, I'm hoping you can do me a favor. Whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, I would really, really appreciate it if you could jump on in there and leave us a review and, um, you know, do the stars thing, whatever it needs of you, because that helps us get our stories out to more and more people as the podcast platforms kind of work their way up um, and move us up in the ranks. So, you know, this, this podcast was never created to be, you know, something that is out to win awards or anything like that. It's about sharing stories, but the more people that can hear these incredible stories, the better. Thank you again. Enjoy today's episode and um, we look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome to another episode of She Inspires Me. Today I have the lovely Deb Elliott with me today and um, Let's get stuck in and learn a bit about Deb. But Deb, welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Absolutely a pleasure to be here. Now, um, Deb's, uh, this is Deb's first ever podcast, so I'm actually incredibly humbled to be the person that's been able to bring her story onto this style of platform. But so we can learn a little bit about Deb. I'm just going to share with you um, and share with our listeners um, a little bit about her. So Deb is now 66 and is retired after a 42-year career in information technology. Her strengths during her career were leadership and project management, having lived in Anglesey on the surf coast in Victoria, Australia. For the last six years, Deb has made many friendships there. She's a full-time artist specialising in contemporary oil painting and textile arts and has a painting exhibition with her teacher in Anglesey coming up this November. When it comes to textiles, Deb knits, crochets, spins, weaves and works with felt. She is also recognised um, a recognised botanical printer and has taught many people on the surf coast how to print. In March this year, Deb was on a holiday in New Zealand and had to come home early and self-isolate due to COVID. On day four of isolation, a former work colleague asked her if she could organise a few sewers to make scrub caps for the Royal Melbourne Hospital. She found a few friends and committed to making 500. The Royal Melbourne Hospital wanted 1,000, so they said yes and started sewing. Four days later, they had a Facebook page helping our Hospital Heroes Australia and Deb was appointed as the project coordinator. The project was formed under the auspice of the Rotary Club of Sonbury. 
In about 10 short weeks, they had 1,700 members and had distributed over 17,000 caps. They had sewers all over Australia making them and distributed caps from Anglesey and Sunbury and hospitals all over Australia. Deb has also, um, Deb has had so much joy seeing hospital staff wearing the hats the group has made. It's also given people something to do and a sense of purpose during this very uncertain time. As COVID has progressed, Deb has also started making masks and to date she's made over 200 for friends, family and aged care. Oh wow, Deb! I'm always legend. Busy. I'm always busy. <laughs> I, do sleep. I sleep. I sleep well. I do sleep. <laughs> well, you sleep well because you've got such a full, full heart. You're doing so many beautiful things for the community and so in tune with the community as well. I really love. I, I think I do this kind of oh wow moment almost every episode because I love reading I love sharing people's bios and their their stories and that's the whole purpose of this podcast and I love being able to do that beautiful intro that I get to do for all of the guests on the podcast um but I'm gonna jump straight in and I, I guess with you being such an active part of your local community and now having such reach through your Facebook group um with communities all around Australia because they're all being impacted by the work that you and the group are doing around Australia. Um, But I'm going to go back a step and you've had a career in information technology um, and you've got this passion for arts and it just, it seems like a really interesting mix, but when did the passion for arts start? Is it something that you've always done or is it something that you've done later in life? Well, no, I started knitting at at seven. We had to knit at school and then we... I was in school in New South Wales and we did sewing and it was mm-hmm. my favourite class. So um, clearly I'm academic, I'm quite bright, and, um, but I always had this passion for sewing and knitting. I didn't learn to crochet until I was 30, so I've taken up a lot of uh, my textile art in my later life, probably uh, more in the last 10 years, but yeah. Yeah, I knit every day. It's just what I do for relaxation, so... Yeah, so it's a, a combination of a passion but also a bit of self-care where you do it because you enjoy it and it kind of helps you relax. Yeah, and painting I started uh, two and a half years ago. I hadn't painted yeah. since primary school and I've just got this, I guess I've got a, 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 I was going to say a bit of a talent. I've got a talent for it. But it's very, yeah. I can't draw. So I can't draw. <laughs> I'm a good photographer. So, um, you know, it just it, it's just there. It's been there. My mother was an artist, an amateur artist. Um, the next generation, my, all my nieces and nephews all paint, so all, all are crafty. It's just, I think mm. it's in the blood, so. Yeah, and I've found, um, for, even for me personally, even as you share your story just then about those artistic abilities and the things that we're encouraged to do as children and then we get into our careers and um, we put on the serious hats that we put on and we somehow unless we choose to pursue a passion and a career in the arts or whatever else, we almost silo ourselves and decide that we can only be creative or we can only be serious. So I know that was for me personally and I've really stepped out of that mindset. Caroline, I, I mean, you, you have a corporate career and you work long hours, I work 50 hours a week. I had a child, um, I had a partner, you know, I ran a house and there is no time. For the yeah. artistic side, I mean, you're exhausted. I remember 
is probably I retired two years ago and I finally went, I'm no longer exhausted. I'm no longer running on adrenaline. <laughs> well, I'm still busy, but I sleep. Yeah. I didn't sleep well for years because you were just on go, go, go the whole time. There was no time um, to explore creative stuff. Yeah. Really. And I've often um, in some of the episodes I've done and, and even just people that I've spoken to, the creative space take space like it needs space it needs you to have space for it and to play and be curious and and be okay with things not kind of going to plan and learning along the way and yeah I guess when you are in the in the mid in the middle of a traditional career path it can be really hard to find that I I think you're right I mean it takes a lot of time you need quite a quick clear brain and I'm I'm prepared to experiment and believe me I've collected a lot of um I guess items along the way that I now use, like you know, wool fiber and um, knitting wool and cotton and patchwork material and all that sort of stuff. But along the way, and I'm a bit of a hoarder, like most um, creatives. And um, <laughs> but you know, I, I guess when I had my career, my passion was people. So I spent a lot mm. of time, you know, leading people, mentoring people, coaching people, counselling people, mm. and that was satisfying in its own way. I mean. Looking after people, you sometimes need to be very creative to get them to do yeah. what you want to do when you want them to do it. <laughs> that gave me a huge, you know, that gave me huge satisfaction. I, I love managing people. But yeah, that's such a really good way of putting it as well. I guess we we can silo ourselves in the sense of saying, oh, well, I'm in this role or I'm in IT or people management or whatever else and therefore I'm not creative but there's so many elements of our creativity that have to come in in just being with other humans and, and communicating well and and negotiating the day-to-days and I um, and and I'm an amazing networker I just very good at sort of going oh, I need somebody with this girl who's got that oh yes this person mm. they know xyz so I'm very good at maintaining friendships um yeah and maintaining work work relationships it's just something I was good at somebody asked me whether I could bottle it for them so they <laughs> so they could stab it on the back of their neck <laughs> I said well I think it's because I've got a photographic memory so yeah right about people so because people like you to to know who they are and what they do yeah it's the details the, yeah. um those beautiful details of of our human connection so you mentioned that you um you started learning new artistic skills, especially in the textile space, kind of a bit later in your life. Um, do you have a favourite style or thing, something that you're really enjoying at the moment? Oh, I'm enjoying felting at the moment. I'm oh, botanical printing. I've been so can you explain to us what that is? Because uh, there will be listeners that, and I personally don't know a lot about felting. So, oh, felting. Felting is getting wool fibre or silk, well, not silk fibre, but getting fibre. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk about wool. So you, you lay out wool. And then you wet it, and then you rub it, and it, then it turns into like a thick fibre. And I make hats, and um, okay. make hats. I love making hats with lots of colour. So, um, yeah, quite an easy technique. It's yeah, it's, it's an easy technique, and you know I'm enjoying it. But the other passion is, of course, botanical printing, which I've been doing for three years. Um, and so, what does that involve? That involves putting leaves or seaweeds, my current thing, onto silk yeah. or onto onto mm-hmm. cloth, and wrapping it up very tightly, and then boiling it. And then the image transfers from the leaves or the seaweed onto the silk. Mainly, I use silk, and yeah. and then you have a permanent. And so, do you use any any other? So it's just really the two pieces. It's the it's the seaweed and and the material, the silk. 
and then the process. Is there any other? Do you add things to the water? Do you? What do you? Is yeah, there anything? Yeah, else? Usually iron, um, ferrous sulfate, and um, or ferrous oxide. I can't remember which one anyway. Iron and vinegar. So okay, and that that's what causes the chemical reaction and the heat. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fascinating process. And I look, I love to experiment. I'm not worried if I, I mess something up, up. I never throw anything out. I just either, you know, reprint over the top of it. And some of my best scarves have been because I've messed something up and I've reprinted it. Yeah. So I'm just not, I'm, I guess I'm not scared of trying. I'm not scared yeah. of stuffing it up. You just go, oh, well, okay. Well, that can be something else. I made it the other day. I it had the other day to become a handbag. It looks ridiculous. Mm. But, you know, really, it's not. It's just me. I've always just had to go anything. I'm not scared of anything. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. And I think that that layering of something when something doesn't quite go to plan is really beautiful as well. Like as you as you've said, you you have that in some of your pieces, but it can very much be that that mindset can very much be transferred to so many things. Because if we fail, in theory, we can just add to that. We can pick up the lesson and we can move on and and try something new and create something well, better. Well, you learn from all your mistakes. Mm. I've learned yeah. so much, you know, from my mistakes, you know, the mistakes I've made when, well, in life actually, but um, but particularly in, in my textile work and even in my painting. My teacher says I'm a good student because I'm not scared of trying anything. I'm not scared of um, experimenting. And she and I have some quite strong discussions on, oh, I don't like that painting. Go, well, it's mine. <laughs> it's mine and that's how it's going to be. So, you, you know, I just, yeah, it's just letting go. And, you know, painting's been very freeing for me. I've suffered a fair bit of depression in my life and um, painting just takes me into another space and um, I'm lucky I've got a great teacher and I just let go with paint. Um, I have oh. a very direct style. I put paint straight on the canvas and um, have a go. So, But you paint over it if it's not right. <laughs> exactly. If you don't like it, you, later, you just paint over it. So. You just paint over it and start again. Yeah. So, um Obviously, we're mindful that here in Victoria, or especially in Metro Melbourne, we're in restrictions at the moment. But I'm crossing my fingers that we're we're going to be in a very different position come November. You've got um, an exhibition coming up. So, what is that specifically for your paintings, or do what can we expect to see in that exhibition? And I know you said that you're you're doing that with your teacher as well. So, are they? Is it just the two of you, or are there more people involved? Just the two of us, and it's called Point Road Night. And Point Road Night is part of Anglesey, so it's on, I was going to say, the, the western part of Anglesey towards um, Aries Inlet, and it's a beautiful point with lots of rocks. Um, when, and we go most mornings, or there's a group of photographers that go most mornings and take photographs of the sunrise, and the sun rises in the east, obviously, but the sun hits the rocks in Anglesey and, and you get beautiful reds and ochres, and, um, but you also get very calm seas. The sunrise is different every day, much to my surprise. and. Um, mm. So I use those um, paintings, um, those photographs as inspiration for my paintings Um, and my felt work too. I mean, I love colour. So um, it is mainly basically a painting exhibition. Um, Elaine's, uh, my teacher is a PhD in fine arts and is well-renowned. I will have some of my scarves there because the ones with seaweeds are from Point Road Night and, I will have a bit of felting because it's the colours that I love. So and mm. and also I have a selection of my photographs. So I'll make um, greeting cards. And oh yeah. wow, what a beautiful 
combination of all of your pieces that that sounds like it's going to be really lovely well we um i know i've already got the details for the exhibition um which we'll be adding to our show notes so essentially everyone that listens to the podcast will be able to access that information and fingers crossed that we don't have any any issues with exhibitions and things going ahead um, is it still at this stage? Is the plan still November, or are you looking at changing? No, the plan's still November, and if we can't do it, in, you know, live, we will go online. Perfect. And if we go Fantastic. live, Elaine and I plan to paint there. So we'll you won't just walk in and see pictures on a wall. We actually plan to take some canvas and actually paint there, and we often paint together on the same canvas. That's amazing. Very, very different styles, but yeah, our but very interactive for the um, for the audience. Yes. Yeah, that's the intention. Beautiful. So you you were in New Zealand earlier this year, yeah. and um, and then you had to come back to Anglesey due to COVID. When when you you know you first had to isolate, and you said you were self isolating. Um, what did you do with your time? Like you sound like you're very very oh, accustomed. The- you're just enjoying the fact that you have your own time now that you're so before you started making the caps which we'll talk about in a moment what were you doing with your time well the first day the first day I was really tired it taken me I was in the very south of New Zealand and it took me over 12 hours no it actually took me 15 hours to get home I got to the airport mm. had a flat battery um the RSTV came and said don't stop on the way home so <laughs> that was I got home at midnight so that was pretty hard I was really tired mm. I was really emotional um I was facing two weeks. I live on my own. I was facing two weeks on my own totally. Yeah, yeah. That was hard. I was pretty emotional. And the next day I just did it. Well, the house was tidy, so I did a bit of unpacking <laughs> and a bit of looking. Um, and then I felt a bit lost, actually. Um, you know, mm. you can talk to people. And I have very. I have three sisters and a daughter and lots of lovely nieces and nephews I'm close to. But it's still very isolating being stuck in a house. And for some reason in my mind, Self-isolation meant I wasn't even allowed to go in my own yard, which obviously was uh, But, yeah, you know. Well, I was- back in March they, we were so confused by the rules and even today it can be a bit tricky, but definitely back in March a lot of us didn't know what we were doing. And, and it seemed such a long time, two weeks ago, and then so luckily I got the project, which just, and it took off, so, and I love all yeah. the things. So it just fell in, it fell, I feel, it, I feel it fell in my lap. Just, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And wow, what a project to fall in your lap. We, um, as I mentioned before, 17,000 caps so far, maybe even more since, oh, we're since I got those. We're still making, I'm, got a, I'm making some at the moment. So, yeah. Um, so you're working with the, so the Facebook group is helping our Hospital Heroes Australia, which we will add to the show notes as well. Um, and so the original commitment was 500. When you heard 500, did you think, oh, wow, that's a lot? Oh, or did you think I can tell? Totally, like we can tell. Totally I was that. asked. Uh, my friend, my former work colleague, rang me and said, "How many? Just have a think about this. I'll, I'll ring you back in an hour. How many caps could you make for Royal Melbourne?" And mm. I, five hundred. That's huge. Now that's probably if I ask ten people, that's fifty each. That's a really big number. And so I just went. I went back and I said, "I've got enough friends. We can do five hundred. I didn't really, I only had four, there was only five of us at that stage. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> big ask. Anyway, I, I actually put out a, a note to all my friends, but I, I could have got the 500. They said, well, they want a 1,000 and they want them by the end of the weekend. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, me being me went, yeah, okay. And um, yeah, reaching out Let's to just do it. Network and network, you know, 
you, you have a Facebook, you have Facebook groups, and you're in you're in organisations, and so you just reach out to your network, and it just it just grew exponentially in four days. So, um, and then wow. So now seventeen hundred members. So how? What? Talk me through. So we're almost six months later, about five six months later, at the time of recording this podcast. Um, and you've gone from just a handful of you and your friends to seventeen hundred members. How does something like that pick up momentum so quickly? Is it just human connection and, and networks, or did you do anything else to advertise it? No. Oh, we didn't advertise it because we didn't have any money. So except for a little bit mm-hmm. in the Rotary Club for postage. Um, yeah. It was face. I set up, I was asked to set up a Facebook group on mm-hmm. the Friday. So four days later we set up a Facebook group. And, it, I mean, I'm an IT professional. I was astounded at how quickly that just grew. And, and, yeah. and you know, I'm in CWA down here, which, you know, people think full of old women. It was a, a really young group of very active, interesting women, which is fabulous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they asked their mothers, they asked their friends. So everybody was asking their mothers and friends. And I did a radio interview. I got some um, newspaper coverage in Geelong, yeah. luckily, through contacts. Uh, so it just mm-hmm. grew like that. Um, and every time you did a bit of publicity, you'd get more people and people ring up and offer elastic or cotton or material. So yeah, people couldn't sew. They gave you... Um, yeah, so they did what they could. Yeah, so it was all done. Oh, we had we purchased a little bit of material, or people purchased material and sent it to us. But a lot mm-hmm. of it was done with what people retrieved from their stashes. Um, yeah, people donated elastic. I mean, it was phenomenal. It was people's generosity was absolutely was mind blowing. And the other thing was, it actually gave people something to do. So mm. people said, yeah. "Thank you, you've given me something to do and a sense of purpose during this time." Yeah. But it also gave me. And yeah, exactly. And as you were in isolation at the time, so it was well, after that we went great. To, I think we went stage three lockdown. So I didn't really come out of isolation because stage yeah. three is strict. You can't have visitors at your house. Mm, mm. I would have these wonderful conversations with people out the window and I had a, a big box out the front where people delivered stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I had people in Melbourne collecting stuff for me as well and it all gets sent down here. I was very... I'm on very good terms with the post office now. So, <laughs> so I had a, you know, I had a half look at, you know, one stage I had 15, I think I had about 1,500 to get out and I just sat there and sobbed. I went, I can't do this. But <laughs> it's a lot for one woman oh, well, to do. We used to photograph everything that was sent to us. We'd photograph and acknowledge on our website. So on our wow. on, a, on your group, yeah. So. So if people wanted to get involved today, are you still open to new members and are you? how is it working now? We're open to new members, but we have got a few requests but not many. Um, I've got this three of us are currently doing probably about 50 or 60. There's a group in Queensland are still more active than us, so I'm about to update the Facebook page and direct them to um, sewing scrub caps in Queensland. mainly. Okay. But they're not getting many requests either. We're not getting many requests at all. From the hospitals, do you from mean? Hospitals, no. Mainly, yeah. we're now getting from COVID clinics, but not for many. Not not in the numbers we were getting. Not yeah. we were and getting. I guess they're reusable. That's the other beauty of it. So, yeah, um, are they, I assume they're, are they watchable and yeah, watchable. yeah, exactly. So that's what's beautiful about it as well because this it's a sustainable option and um, it's handmade. As well, and, so. made, and made with love. But my sister's a nurse at Box Hill and has been there for forty years, and she's mm. you know they they 
they didn't wear them for a while when sort of COVID died down, but now it's picked up again. They're all wearing mm. them. Um, and hospitals have had caps from us have come back and asked for more. So, yeah. Which is lovely. Yeah, that's lovely. great. It's really lovely. So now you're making masks. Yes. You've made a couple hundred for friends and family. Do people, do the general public have access to those masks or are they things you're just kind of holding on to? In I'm your own holding community? on because, you know, I really I actually need to move on to my art exhibition. Um, <laughs> I'm doing two for aged care facilities, one for the one that my mum's cousin's at and who I'm, I care for. So, I mean, mm. I care for her in that I support her um, and ring her daily because she doesn't have her own children. And then one for another one that my cousin's wife asked me to send some. Yeah, lovely. So, yeah, I don't want to sell them. Um, I'm using all donated fabric left over from mm-hmm. the project. And yeah. and somebody sent me some, like, miles of elastic. I've, I've got metres of elastic. So <laughs> enough for the rest of my lifetime. So it's all donated, so I'm donating my time. Um, yeah. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. And I guess, you know, we, we're not sure how long us as general public are going to need masks. So um, yeah, well, it's great that they're... Because I remember when this all started, when I came back from New Zealand, I'm going, oh, I can't imagine this going on for six months and people are going 12 mm. months, 18 months, you're going, no, but now it, it does seem a reality that it may go on for longer than we want. For longer. And, that, yeah. you, know, you know, when people talk about going back to normal, it's not going to be the same normal. Our lives have changed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and not, not straight away anyway. So I, I have, I'm a... I'm an optimist in that regard and I hope that someday in the future the life we had, certain elements of the life we had pre-March could go back. But there's a lot of stuff pre-March I actually don't want. Exactly. <laughs> there's a lot of stress and go, go, go that I don't want back. So, and I, yeah. that's true. I think a lot of people have slowed down, including myself, even though you may not mm-hmm. believe that. I, I don't <laughs> drive as often as I used to. I walk more. You know, I walk to the mm-hmm. shop or I walk around to friends' place rather than hop in the car than drive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't need as much as I need, you know, I used to have. I, you, know, you just don't. You, you cook more. I, you know, you can't go out and get takeaway, so you cook. So it's yeah. I think it's a healthier, well, for me it's been a healthier lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. Which is good. So you've got um, you've got your exhibition coming up and, um, and obviously you're going to be working on that and focusing on that as we head towards November. Um, any other exciting projects or any other creations that you're working on that you, you really – passionate about or that would well, like to be look I take photos every day because I'm happiest with a camera in hand but I'm really yeah. felting at the moment so I'll do a, a heap of work with that um, mm. just to explore that I'm you know I get a, a felt magazine it's an Australian magazine I'm going to work through the projects in that just to teach myself more you know more skills I guess um, that's fantastic wow it, and I love how I guess in in a lot of ways it has nothing to do with this time of 2020. It's just your nature to be so independent and just to say, I'm going to learn how to do that and I'm going to be okay with however that turns out and um, it's a really wonderful trait to have. I've been always like that. I've been like that since I was a child. I've been independent since I was three. I think my family, (laughs) I'm stubborn. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. I'm stubborn too. And I do what I want and, you know, they'll give me advice and I go, mm-hmm, and they go, not mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, I love it. I'm and I was living with my 20-year-old sister in a flat in Perth because my parents were up in the, in the northwest of WA. Yeah. It, it, it didn't even phase me. In fact, I didn't remember it until my ex-partner reminded me when I was about 26 that I'd done that. 
you know, I got myself up and got dressed and went to school and cooked for myself and cleaned the flat and, you know, we made yeah. money between us and, um, you know, so I was doing that at 15. I, yeah, it just didn't phase me. So yeah, moving to Anglesey, I didn't know anybody here, so that didn't phase me either. I just wanted a lifestyle change. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so you've... <sighs> I, I, I'm sure we could talk for hours because we haven't even talked about IT and your career and we haven't talked about your family and we haven't talked about so many things. But what I am really curious about is who are you inspired by and and why? Like what are you who are you looking to at the moment for inspiration? I was gonna say it's probably self-drawn. But look, I had a very strong mother. My mother left mm. home. Oh, not left home, had to leave school at 13. She was highly intelligent. Her father died from war injuries, even though it was a few years after the war, died when mum was 13 and she was the oldest of four. So she had to leave school and go to work. And she was highly um, she was highly intelligent but mm. worked as a secretary, not but worked as a secretary, but worked as yeah. a secretary but probably didn't fulfil her dreams um, academically. So I'm one of four girls. We were encouraged. Well, encouraged. We didn't know any different. We were just, well, we just grew up knowing that we were all going to have careers and the four, four of us have all had careers. So, mm. um, and, yeah, so my mother inspired me. My sisters sisters inspire me. My nieces and nephews. My daughter inspires me. She um, is very bright. She took up fashion design as a career and after eight years went, that's not going to work for me, has retrained as a graphic designer and now is working as a content producer. So, you know, mm. she's in her um, early 30s. She's had the courage to leave one career and take up another one. But, yeah. You know, we're just, I mean, we're just strong women, but it's not women. I have a lot of very close men friends as well who. Yeah, of course. You know, I just love people and people's ability, that, no matter what life throws at them, to keep going. You know, just, mm. you know people have incredible inner strength. Yeah. Um, that's so true and it does sound like you're not only within your family unit you have some inspirational and incredible people in your life but you have a way of drawing new friendships even in a place where you've never lived and um, even when you talked earlier about the friends that reached out to you about the caps and things like that they're they're wonderful people to to have in your circle so that's amazing almost everybody I know has a story to tell Mm, um, it's so true. They do. Everybody has a story, and you know, everybody, mm. most people could relate to doing. Particularly people my age, I think you will have found will have volunteered at some stage in their life. I started in my early twenties. I um, mm. was a scorer for blind cricket because I had a friend who was blind, so I used to go along mm. on Saturday and score at the cricket. So and then, yeah, the radio operator for Vision Australia. So, you know, I, I was just wow. volunteering. I think you've got to give back to your community. Yeah. And it helps you kind of tune into what's happening in the world around you as well. So, and, and my mum was, you know, my mum was volunteer all my life. I, you know, we used to always have strangers in our house because she, she would pick up some stray somewhere that came to. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, Deb, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your story with our listeners. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure to chat to you and to learn about what you're doing in your day to day, what you've been doing for our community, and um, and then what we can be expecting in the next few months as you head towards your exhibition in November. Um, 
For those listeners, um, we will make sure that all of the details of the Facebook group and and other bits and pieces, but especially the details of Deb's uh, exhibition will be in the show notes. So if you are in Anglesey or heading in that direction, or if we get to the point where we're still in lockdown and, and we're doing it virtually, we'll, we'll still be able to experience that. So definitely check that out. Deb, thank you so much for your time today. And um, we can't wait to hear more from you in the future. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today and being a part of this incredible community. Remember to hit subscribe and join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women.